to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, Happy Father's Day to everyone out there. My name is DJ. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Community Church. I'm excited to be with you this morning. We're still in the book of Philippians, okay? We are looking at this series called Resilient Joy, this, this letter that, that, that focuses on joy, even though Paul, the one who wrote it, was in a situation that he should not have been joyful. We would not expect it. Uh, and so what we have been doing is we've been going through this book, trying to figure out what is this joy, what is the source of this joy, how is it that this guy could go through a bunch of crazy situations, be in prison, writing a letter to a church that was not perfect, that had a lot of work to be done, uh, and yet the book is full of joy. Uh, And so today we're going to be in the third chapter. It's a four-chapter book, and we're going to be at the end of the third chapter. And would you all stand with me as we read the word? It's going to be Philippians 3, 17 through 21. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you, even with tears in my eyes, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body." This is the word of the Lord. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would increase. And we pray that each and every one of us would decrease. And just ask that this morning that you would tune our eyes and our hearts towards you. Speak to us this morning and help us to obey. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. I mentioned a second ago, this, this book is only four chapters long. It's a, it's a shorter uh, letter in the New Testament. And, and yet, we're only in chapter three. We're about three quarters of the way through the book. And uh, in the passage I just read, nothing in there is new. And what I mean by that is, in the few short chapters we've already had in in the book of Philippians, he's already said everything that he just said, and he's saying it again. Uh, And and what we can take from that, at least some idea, is is that the Philippians really struggled with this. 
Uh, and, and I don't, many of you have kids or have interacted with kids uh, or just people in general because we don't grow out of this necessarily. Sometimes people need to be told something more than once. Uh, when I, my son, you know, one time is never enough. You say it again and again and again and then next week again and again and again and then he forgets it and you say it again and again and again. And in four chapters of this book, Paul is already repeating himself multiple times. Let me make sure you get it. Let me make sure you understand what I am saying. In a nutshell, he is telling them to follow his example, not to follow these other people, because our citizenship is in heaven. And he's already said all this before. Back in chapter 2, verses 19 through 30, he talks about two of his fellow brothers in, in Christ, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he tells them, I long to send these two guys to you because they can guide you in the right direction. All right, you need to follow these guys. Back in chapter 2 earlier, in verse 5, he talks about imitating Christ. You might remember that. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He's already told us to follow him and to follow people like him. He's told us to watch how we act. He did in verse one, chapter 1, verse 27. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. For those of you that were here last week, Pastor Todd talked about influencers and the people who, who we follow and the people who, who we sometimes do so without even realizing. And earlier in chapter 3, he said, do not follow these dogs or these evildoers. Chapter 2, verse 15, he calls them this crooked generation. And he even says that, like in this passage in verse 128, he says that they will be destroyed. Nothing he is saying in this passage is new. He's already said all of it. And he even has said the piece at the end that we have a greater hope that is waiting for us. In the first part of this book, uh, verses 9 and 10, chapter 1, he says that you, I, I pray that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. For what? For the day of Christ. He's telling them, follow me, imitate me and people like me. Don't follow these other people because our citizenship is in heaven. And he has said every single piece of that multiple times throughout this very short letter. And we've said this before, but there's nothing new under the sun. Okay, even though this was a church that, that existed a long time ago and it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and even though our church looks very different than that church did, Sometimes we struggle with the same things. Sometimes we need to be told over and over and over again the same exact message. Uh, and I think this particular message, this idea of who we follow, uh, is one that can be deceptively tricky. Todd mentioned a minute ago, uh, you know, every single one of us is on a journey. We are all doing this life together. We are all on a quest, if you will. Every single one of us is journeying, and we're journeying together. And I, I'm, I'm stealing a little bit or borrowing some thoughts from a, a guy named James K.A. Smith, or Jamie Smith, who's written a number of books on this idea of discipleship and what guides us on what we, we lean towards. And he, he puts it like this in a book called You Are What You Love. He says, to be human is to be on a quest. To live is to be embarked on a kind of unconscious journey toward a destination of your dreams. Hold on to that idea of an unconscious journey. 
He says, as Blaise Pascal put it in his famous wager, you have to wager. It is not up to you. You are already committed. You can't not bet your life on something. You can't not be headed somewhere. Double negatives are a little weird. Let me just rephrase that. You have bet your life on something. You are headed somewhere. He says, we live leaning forward, bent on arriving at the place we long for. Every single one of us is on a journey and we are headed on a journey in a very particular direction. And what Paul is saying is that we do not do this alone. There are people you are going to follow. Whether you realize it or not, you are following someone. And whether you realize it or not, there are people following you. There are people looking to you and who are guided by what you do, what you say, and where you are going. And so this this journey is not just one where we are exploring and kind of adventurers looking around, but it is one that carries a lot of weight. And in his book, uh, Jamie Smith points out that he he believes often in the church we have the wrong idea of, of what this journey looks like. And I'll see if I can describe it to you in a way that makes sense, at least hopefully. He says, often we people think that we have beliefs in our head, okay? I believe this. Um, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe it. I know it. Uh, I believe that that is what my life is about. And we, we think that our decisions in life are guided by those beliefs. I have this belief, and I, am, I make decisions based on that belief, And what he says is, he goes, I don't think it works like that. What he believes and and says about us, and and I think it matches at least with my experience, is that inside every single one of us are, are these deep longings and these deep desires for something beyond us. We, we have a longing for something out there. And Jamie Smith said it. It is, it is a destination of our dreams. Every single one of us has these longings out there. And rather than us believing something and choosing to go in a direction, he says that these longings we have, which might be unconscious to us, actually draw us towards them. What he is saying is it's possible to... to Say, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe with my whole heart that he is the source of abundant life and completely live in a different direction, pursuing things that are counter to that belief. Does that make sense? Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I'm not seeing, all, I'm, no, nobody nodded on that. So let me give you an example. Back at my home church, uh, this is the church I grew up in, in Southern California in Covina. I Grew up at this church, started volunteering at this church, eventually went on staff at this church, and just slowly got more and more responsibilities at this church. And when I was a kid, the church was thriving. Two packed services, you know, VBS had tons of kids running around, people were volunteering, and I watched it over the years dwindle. Okay, I watched the services go down. I watched the numbers in the kids program go down. I watched it slowly just trickle down to where it was one service and the energy wasn't quite there and we didn't have COVID to blame for this. And I, I, if I was not at home in my early 20s, I was at the church. I was doing something late into the night. I was fixing something. I was planning something. I was working on this ministry. I was trying to make sure that this happened. I spent all of my time at the church. And what I told myself, I told myself I was serving God 
This is what God will want me to do. This is a completely selfless act. I am, I am serving God's church. I am giving up my time to be in God's church. But when I looked back at it, I wanted to be the hero. I wanted people to look at me and go, man, if DJ wasn't here, this church wouldn't be going anymore. I wanted people to look at me and go, isn't he doing a great job, man? This, he is carrying so much, and without him, none of this would be possible. I thought, and I would have told you, I am serving God, this is selfless, but I was actually doing something that was incredibly selfish. I was looking for praise. I was looking for my own, people to recognize what I was doing. And so although I believed something in my head, my desire in my heart actually pulled me in another direction. Do you see the difference? Believing something in your head, we like to think, I make the choice, I believe this, I'm going in this direction, but what I want to tell you is that I think that you have desires within you that you might not be aware of that are actually steering you in a completely different direction. In his book, uh, he uses this image. Uh, this is Jamie Smith again. He uses this image that our heart is like this compass, okay? And our heart, where our longings and our desires are, are, are steering us in a certain direction. And ideally, we want to be pointed at heaven. We want to be headed towards our destination, our final resting place with God. We want to be headed towards glorifying God and enjoying him forever. But what happens is the things of this world the temptations, everything we see and everything around us, what it does is it veers us off course and actually makes it so we might think that our intentions are pure. We might think we are glorifying God, but in the end, we're actually pursuing our own glory. We're pursuing maybe riches. We are pursuing recognition. We are pursuing pleasure. You name it, anything. And what he says, what Paul says about these people is they have their minds set on earthly things. These are all earthly things. And what does he say about these people whose mind is set on earthly things? He says their destination is destruction. And why I think Paul hits on this so hard about who you follow, about being careful, about where they are going, is that it is so difficult to understand not only your own desires, deep down what you're really longing for, but it is even more difficult to understand the desires of those you're following. And it is possible that you, without even knowing it, can follow somebody, or worse, be leading somebody, because we're all leading people too, somewhere that leads to destruction. Discipleship is set up with, with, as, as people guiding other people. Uh, the Christian walk and the Christian journey is designed to be people walking alongside, some leading others, others following, but everyone in a sort of line following one another. It is something you don't do alone. It is, you are following someone when, whether you realize it or not. And Jesus set this up from the very beginning when he told his disciples, follow me. And in this passage, Paul says the exact same thing, follow me. It's a bold statement. He's not saying it because he's conceited or he thinks he's better than anybody else. It's, in fact, he says the opposite earlier in chapter three. He says, I have not already obtained it. I have not arrived at my goal. I'm still pressing on. But what Paul does know is that 
who you follow and where they are headed is a very important and a very deceptive and tricky decision you are going to make. And so what can he say with certainty? Follow me, because I know where I am headed. I'm not doing it perfectly, but he's saying, follow me, follow people like Timothy, follow people like Epaphroditus, follow people like me who keep their eyes and live as they do. Whether we admit it or not, every single one of us is following someone. And the question I want us to ask and reflect on today is, do we know where they are going? And similarly, every single one of us has people following us. And do we know where we are leading them? Paul says this very strongly. He says he's told them before, and he does again, even with tears in his eyes, because he understands how important this is. He says, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame, their mind is set on earthly things. He says, do not follow these people. Do not unknowingly, and even unconsciously at times, lead yourself and those who are following you towards destruction. Instead, he says that they are citizens not of this earth, but he says that they are citizens of heaven. Verse 20, our our citizenship is in heaven. Philippi, uh, where this church was, was a Roman colony back in the day. And what this meant was, although that this colony was not in Rome, it was, it was like a fragment of Rome. It was like a piece of Rome that was not part of, you know, the mothership uh, where Rome was. And what this meant as a colony is that mem- many of the people who lived there, many soldiers, uh, would have been Roman citizens, even though they weren't in Rome. And what this would have meant is that they would have dressed like Romans, they would have acted like Romans, they would have had Roman morals, the Roman magistrates would have governed. Basically, this would have been a little piece of Rome. And what Paul tells them in this context that they would have understood very clearly is he says, just as the Roman colonists never forget that they belong to Rome, you must never forget that you are citizens of heaven. Do not forget that this is not your home, that you were made for somewhere else. Many of you Uh, have experiences that I I don't necessarily have where this idea of citizenship is much more personal, uh, where you are literally in a land that is not your original home, where you have experienced this idea of being in a foreign place, in a place that is not your own, around people that are not your own. Uh, and, And I can't imagine the stories of how difficult and how just odd that that can be. But what Paul says and the analogy he uses is that we're all like that. Every single one of us was made for something else, was made for somewhere else. And what I love is throughout the Bible, there is this image of God's people often wandering. You get it in the Old Testament with Israel. Uh, after they left Egypt, they wandered in the desert and they were trying to find you know, the promised land, this place they could finally call home. And in the New Testament, we get a similar message of God's people wandering, of God's people searching and longing for 
this eventual new heaven that is going to come someday. And so all, every single one of us on this journey is in a place where, in a sense, we are wandering. And I love how St. Augustine said it. Uh, he said, you know, each and every one of us, he says, God has made us for himself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. You and I were made for another world. And, and the question, again, I just want to reiterate, is are the people you are following leading you home? Or are they unknowingly leading you down a path of destruction? Today's Father's Day, and, and this is just a happy accident that this message happened today, and I think it just fits really well with the idea of fatherhood. And now, even for those of us who are not fathers or maybe those of us who, uh, you know, all of us, as I said, have influence, okay? Every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, some have more influence than others, that's not the point, but you have influence. Not just over your kids, however limited that influence might be, but you have influence. And the idea is that every single one of us are being led by someone and every single one of us is leading somebody, that is discipleship. That is the essence of discipleship and you are discipling someone whether you realize it or not. And Paul here, again, he reiterates this so many times, he's pleading with the Philippians to be aware of who they are following and to be aware of where they are going. And he's asking them, are you following people like me? Are you following people like Timothy and Epaphroditus? Are you following people like Jesus or are you following people whose God is their stomach and a people who are destined for destruction. The end of this passage gives us uh, a little glimpse of heaven. It says, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Throughout the Bible, we get little glimpses uh, of what heaven might be like. Uh, we get these snapshots, and it's not the clouds, you know, or the harps or the little baby angels that you see in cartoons. It's, it, it is something that is so much more full, uh, so much more life-giving, and, and in essence, it is, it is the end for which we were created. It was this end to be with God and to enjoy God forever. And, and what we see often illustrated is that this earth and the things of this earth are just a shadow of the things that we are going to experience in heaven. And that the things of this earth that draw us often towards themselves, the riches of this earth, the, the praise of the people of this earth, they are only a small fraction of the beauty and the glory that we get to experience someday. And, and so in many ways, our hearts are, are, are leading us astray, but they're also leading us to something that is far less good than what we were created for. And at the end of the Bible, we get this image of this new heaven and this new earth and everything is, is, is recreated and the people of God get to experience their final destination of, of living with God and of being with God. And, and we get to be home. I wanna read uh, a passage from the end of the Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis wrote this uh, beautiful long story and Narnia is this, this magical world where there's some weird creatures. You're going to hear about a unicorn in a second. Um, but there is a new Narnia 
at the end of these books. And, and it is this, this, this image of this new heaven, this old Narnia being renewed into something. And, and he puts it in ways that I think are just so good. And I'm just going to read this. So it's from the book, The Last Battle. He says, it is hard, it is as hard to explain how this sunlit land was different from the old Narnia, he's talking about the new Narnia, as it would be to tell you how the fruits of that country taste. Perhaps you will get some idea if you think like this. You may have been in a room in which there was a window that looked out on a lovely bay of the sea or a green valley that wound away among mountains. And in the wall of that room opposite to the window, there may have been a looking glass. And as you turned away from the window, you suddenly caught sight of that sea or that valley all over again in the looking glass. And the sea in the mirror or the valley in the mirror were in one sense just the same as the real ones, yet at the same time, they were somehow different, deeper, more wonderful, more like places in a story, a story that you have never heard but very much want to know. The difference between the old Narnia and the new Narnia was like that. The new one was a deeper country. Every rock and flower and blade of grass looked as if it meant more. I can't describe it any better than that. If ever I get you there, you will know what I mean. And he said it was the unicorn who summed up what everyone was feeling. He stamped his right forehoof on the ground, and then he cried. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Come further up. Come further in. It's Father's Day. Keeping it short today. You're welcome. Every single one of us is on this journey together. Every single one of us is following someone, whether we realize it or not. And every single one of us has people following us, whether we realize it or not. And what I want us to do as we go from here is to really take a moment and examine, where am I going? What direction am I headed? What direction are the people I'm following headed? And where am I leading those behind me? Because it might not be where you think. You might fully believe this one thing and everything within you is pursuing something else. And that is something that might be unaware to you. It might be unconscious to you. And if you're not sure, ask the people around you. I guarantee they have a good answer and can tell you what things you are actually headed towards. My hope and my prayer uh, for each and every one of us is that, is that these desires of our heart would be aligned towards God, that God would reveal to us the, the goodness and, and the amazing home that he has prepared for us and how these things that often tempt us are just a shadow of, of the amazing things to come. And, and my hope is that, is that as we go from here, we would be so aware of the influence we have on those around us and take a moment, daily take a moment to figure out where am I leading them? Where am I going what is the end that my heart is driving me towards? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises of heaven. We thank you that you call us sons and daughters and that we get to be citizens of heaven. And in the meantime, Lord, we are on a journey. 
a journey that we do with one another, a journey where we are following others and where others are following us. And we pray, Lord, that we would take that responsibility seriously, that we would take a moment and that you would reveal to us those ways that we are not directed towards you, those ways in which our eyes are focused on the things of this earth rather than focused on you. And so that is our prayer today, that you would draw us to yourself, that you would mold and shape our hearts to long for you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Once again, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and all the father figures out there. We have a special gift for you, I believe, as you exit the sanctuary this morning. There's also a photo booth over by the stairs uh, on your way to the coffee shop. So please, if you want to take a family photo, uh, go ahead and do that. There's a little booth set up. (sighs) This journey's hard. It is. And there are constantly things going on around us that steer us off course and and want to lead us and call us in a different direction. We can only do this by the grace of God. And, And what I want you to know and what I want to challenge you with this morning is that we would be a church. Uh, a church full of disciples, whether you realize it or not, you are discipling someone and you are being discipled, that we would be a church that is aware of where those we are following are going, that we would be aware of where those we are leading, where we are leading them towards. And my hope and my prayer is that God would would write that path and that God would constantly, daily, every single moment, draw you closer and closer to himself. Go in peace.